Hello everyone, welcome back to the Hawkins Do Copy podcast. My name is Ren. And my name is Emily and on this podcast we talk about all things Stranger Things and it's actually Stranger Things this week. It is! <laughs> it is. We are back with our episode by episode reviews and we are going to be talking about episode three, the monster and the superhero today which I'm very excited about. I actually feel like this is an underrated episode to be honest because a lot happens either side of it. Well, it's so underrated that I forgot everything that happened in this episode. <laughs> um, so that's going to be fun. As a side note from us, episodes in the next couple of weeks may be a little bit delayed. I am hopefully going on holiday. We kind of had plans messed up last time. So let's see what happens. But just as a side note, we might be a little bit sporadic, probably with next week's episode. So just bear with us and we'll see what happens. This episode had like some of my favourite little moments. So like obviously things like Dear Billy and episode seven, The Massacre at Hawkins Lab. The best episode of season four. They obviously have favourite big moments, but episode three has some of my favourite little moments in like the whole of Stranger Things in general. So I'm excited to talk about it. (laughs) But before we get into that, there are many places you can find us and that is pretty much wherever you can find a podcast. We are probably there. Or you can talk to us on social media, Instagram, Facebook and Twitter at Hawkins Podcast, on YouTube and Tumblr at Hawkins Do You Copy and eventually HawkinsDoYouCopy.com and Discord at Hawkins Do You Copy. We don't need to get into the reasons why. You already know at this point. (laughs) Yeah. So, episode three, The Monster and the Superhero. Initial thoughts, aside from forgetting everything that happened, what are your initial thoughts of episode three of season four? The thing is, though, forgetting, kind of forgetting everything that happened in this, in this episode doesn't mean it's a bad episode because no. looking through, I refreshed it and I was like, oh, actually, yeah, of course that happened, that happened, yeah, yeah, that yeah, happened. Yeah. Um, it's not my favourite episode of season four. I think looking back on it now, it's a lot of exposition. Mm-hmm. It's and, a filler I mean, it episode. Makes, yeah, it, it, well, filler in, in a sense that it, 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 it kind of sets a lot of things up. Yeah. So it's not filler as in like they're going to the arcade oh no 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 no! it's not bad filler it's like it's an episode that needed to be there for the rest of the episodes to be there yeah it but it's also not your typical episode three of stranger things well actually no i say that but then episode three of season three was very similar in a way like obviously the world story carter byers and then that kind of set up that and then l and max discover something's going on with billy so I, I say it isn't your typical episode three, but actually I think I'm comparing it to season one where yeah. kind of, you know, you had the dead body, dead body in quotations. Um, I don't know. It's okay. It, it's not my favourite. I felt like episode three gave us a lot of, um, you could see what inspired this season. So, like, when they're sat at the trailer park and they say about Fred and Chrissy being in the trailer park and then Steve's like, we're at the trailer park. Should we be here? And they kind of look... See, I didn't like that moment. Did you not? Uh, no. I I found it so... It was cringy to me. Really? I thought, yeah. I, I think back and I'm like, no, just... I, I, don't, I just don't think it was needed. There were some moments I just thought... I just. I don't know. It didn't really do anything for me. It just felt... There's a fine line between things feeling organic... Yeah. ...and scripted. And to me, it felt a little bit like it was improvised, but not in a good way. 
that's just my opinion on that bit. I, I don't know. No, it, 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 it felt too obvious. As yeah, a it felt very comment. 80s horror, is what I was going to say. Like, it felt very, like, Nightmare on Elm Street, Friday the 13th. Like, it felt very old school horror. That's what I enjoyed about that, is that it was that kind of, like, you see that in typical cliche horror movies. That's the kind of thing that you see. I think that's the reason why I didn't like it then, like what you just said there about being cliche. Like it felt, I don't know, it felt a bit too on the nose for me. Just just that one line there. I thought, oh, no, okay. It was quite funny though because they did sort of almost set it up as if you did have to be at the trailer park. It, mm. it was like they were all happening at the trailer park. Like, and it was a bit like, yeah. it, it felt a bit, like, why did Fred's happen there? Was there supposed to be like a setup that it's the trailer park and then they were like, okay, no, it's just wherever. See, maybe that's why I didn't like that line then. Because for me, I thought it, it's clearly not at the trailer park. Like, it's clearly not. And and they're just sitting there. Yeah. And I thought, but I know that it's not because of this. Like, for me, it was too obvious. So then by trying to set up that plot line, I was like, yeah, but I, I already know it's not that. Because for starters, he actually died on the road. He did. <laughs> so, you know, you know what I mean? I, I don't know. Just... Apparently, I have a lot of feelings about this one particular line, <laughs> um, which I didn't realize I had. For someone that couldn't really remember episode three, you I'm now just hate like, it. impassioned. Oh. I one of my other favorite bits. Um, I'm just waiting for you to be like, yeah, I hated this bit as well. One of my other favorite bits was when Nancy is talking to the police officers and she's sort of trying to explain that you can see that she's getting really frustrated because obviously, like, you can't really explain what's happened. She doesn't know what's really happened to Fred and, and why that's happened. But she's also aware of what's going on in Hawkins. She's probably not in that moment thinking something happened, it was the upside down. But obviously she's going into all situations with prior knowledge that there's something wrong in Hawkins. And I really like when Steve and everyone pull up and she sort of sees them and there's like a momentary like, okay, like I'm not on my own, I'm not here trying to explain this to someone that is not listening to me properly like that moment felt really like I don't know it was a really nice one you, you could see that she sort of took a little bit of comfort out of them being there even though she didn't really know the full story yet no yeah yeah I get what you mean there I didn't mind that moment <laughs> uh, I'll give episode three that that little bit there yeah it was nice to kind of just see the Hawkins plot begin to be set up yeah uh, as well I think that's the kind of I don't know, I felt like you were kind of waiting for things to get started a bit. I mean, obviously things were happening in episode one and episode two. But obviously episode three was kind of like, okay, we're actually kind of going to make our moves now that we heard about Victor Krill in episode two, yes. This is something I feel like the little middle episodes, you kind of think, okay, is this an episode two? Actually, no, this is episode three. And, or is it episode four? And I think this is my issue with episode three. It, it's not in a fortunate position. <laughs> um, yeah, but you know, you kind of get the impressions of Victor Krill stuff. So when you kind of get a bit more of the payoff in episode three, and then obviously with episode four, then giving you that real payoff and you're actually kind of seeing what's going on there properly. Yeah. I, I appreciated it for that. <laughs> so we also had, so th th this episode starts... I think it starts with the aftermath of Angela being like absolutely whacked in the face. We'll start there anyway. We'll start there. We'll get into which I think is it's so interesting because I've rewatched the show by myself 
and then I've spoken about it with you and then I've rewatched it with various family members and also spoken about it with friends and everyone is so divided on the Elle and Angela thing. Like there's some people which I think is kind of, I think this is how I feel about it in the sense of like Angela is an awful person but Elle could have killed her. Mm-hmm. But then there's other people that are like, nah, do it, hit her again. I'm just like, okay. <laughs> like, but I don't, I don't know if that's because I, yeah, I, I think it was more that I was thinking like from, for, from Elle's perspective, like wanting Elle to be safe in the sense of like yeah. she could have killed her, but Elle doesn't understand the consequences of that. And I think you see that when she's arrested and they're talking to her in the interrogation room. That I thought was a really interesting scene because, and I've thought this every time I've rewatched it. Elle doesn't have an understanding or a full understanding of there being like a legal system. So like she won't understand don't talk if there's not a lawyer there. Like ask for your ask for the lawyer lawyer, ask for an attorney, ask to have your rights read, like ask to have them explained. And they don't know that she doesn't understand that. So for them, she's in an interrogation room, not willingly because she's been arrested, but she's choosing to speak without the attorney being there. See, I'm looking at that in a different way. But she's answering the questions when they say, do you want to kill her? And she's like, I don't know. Because she doesn't understand, like, the full... Do you know what I mean? See, no, I'm looking at this in a completely different way to you. Like, completely different. That's so interesting. Because in my mind, at that point, she's kind of given up. Because she's kind of had that conversation with... Because Mike's given her that look. Or in her mind, and kind of been like, what did you do? She's had the flashback to Brenna, obviously, who is and saying, what did you do? What did you do? So you've had that, that set up. Then obviously you've got the conversation in the room, uh, skipping the, you don't love me? Conversation for a moment, we'll get to that later. Um, where she's like, I don't belong. I'm a monster. So I think the whole scene where you've got her being arrested, it's kind of like she doesn't really react because in her mind, it's like, this is what she deserves in her head so when she's being driven away it's that same kind of thing so when she's actually talking with them the yeah it is kind of things that i don't know did i actually want to do it yeah not sure and i think because she's you know and you kind of see that then i think it's late this episode with owens when they meet when they meet at the the cafe yeah and she's kind of like what if i'm you know what if i'm not good what if i am a monster and that is you know that that's her arc really in season four so i think you you've kind of got more the setup with that i don't think it's a case that she doesn't understand the legal system i mean it might be that as well but i think for me it's more internally of her it's kind of the thing of well if i'm a monster then you know what why not just let them think i'm it because everyone else does yeah like i think that's what it is more than anything i definitely can see like because she definitely doesn't react like when she's in the car and stuff and Mike's trying to talk to her through the window. Like, she says nothing. So, no, I definitely think, like, I think it could be a mixture of both because I, I doubt that she is very aware of, like, wait for an attorney to be See, present. I don't know, though, because Hopper, in fairness, in season two, I mean, he's briefing her with things and obviously Hopper's in the police. Uh, well, was in the police. Now he is a Russian prisoner. Yeah. Um, they... You know, there's going to be some kind of, you know, we're not being stupid. That we're not this. We're not doing that. We're, you know, we're, we have to react in a certain way. So I, I do think there would have been maybe, maybe obviously not full briefing, but I, I think she would have some kind of understanding of how it's going to work. I, I do think, for me anyway, it is more of a thing of she's just sort of very resigned and 
with the flashbacks happening with how people are treating her you know what I mean I think it is just more a thing where it's like no okay I'll be what everyone thinks I already am yeah no I can I can see that as well she she's definitely resigned to it I thought it was like a massive massive like over like they didn't think it through that when Mike is hitting the window and trying to get her to talk he's calling her 11 Mm. and it's just like he calls her 11 at like the times where he really shouldn't be calling her 11 like she is 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 dead like as in in quotation marks like 11 is dead yeah she's technically in hiding she's been arrested and he's banging on the window to these people that know her as Jane Hopper going 11 listen to me and it's like what it's just a fun nickname what are you doing like i find Didn't it really 11 weird. short for jane <laughs> i find it really weird that he still calls her 11 i've said this to you quite a lot but like it's bizarre to me that he does he's one of the only people that does as well and i, I don't understand it will does as well actually and watching some of the clips again uh when she gets back isn't it? yeah just one, once. in volume two it's like 11 you okay that kind of thing um i don't know maybe with her it's kind of like a i re reclaimed the name yeah in a way but i don't know it is a bit odd considering mike's one is like we'll call you l yeah and then like, <laughs> like, like 11 all the time and then like yeah don't do it in front of law enforcement like that's let's not do that did really like those scenes though with like jonathan and will being her brothers if only we could have seen more of it really wouldn't that have been lovely if we saw more of the bias family and l as a family what a what a weird concept that would have been. When Will puts his arm out in the th- in the police station, he's like, "We're her brothers. We're family." Like that's like one of my favorite lines. It's all I've ever wanted. And yet, <laughs> and they will be like, "We'll see. We will see more of it in season five, I'm sure." I mean, this is what we said in season four when we're like, <laughs> "Maybe we'll see more of Will." It's like you know we have to because he's with Elle, and look what happened. So obviously, we did see a bit of Mike and. L drama in season three as well. It was a pretty heavy Mike and L thing. I mean, we had the 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 so nice. We had to do it twice. <laughs> we had the brilliant um, dinner table scene, which I loved. Like I loved everything about that. Like the car ride home with Jonathan and Argyle, and then the. Just like Will, just getting like progressively more fed up with Jonathan is like my like he was just so so done and it was I brilliant. It <laughs> I think it was really out of character that Joyce was like unaware of what was going on. Yeah, I I feel like if I was Joyce, considering the for the last three seasons she's been very aware about certain things going on yeah you would know if your uh, eldest son had uh had had a bit of fun wouldn't you because also she sat next to him at dinner surely she'd be able to smell it magic of tv <laughs> but no that whole scene was like i loved that i loved the murray and joyce stuff i loved the um past the olive oil that's fine moment and just like murray's interactions alaska yeah alaska um but like just argyle knowing what's going on but also just being argyle it was just 
it was just a really good scene. And then obviously we see Mike and Elle have a little when Mike's like, she didn't look fine. I have a complicated relationship with <laughs> how a lot of the Mike and Elle stuff was done this season. I think a lot of it is more Mike's side of things. I think Elle's side with volume two, actually, it makes perfect sense. I think everything that's going on, especially knowing the context for a lot of things, seeing episode seven, I think for her, you know what I mean? I, I just feel like, I don't know. It, it, I don't want to go on about Mike again because I say it every time, but it, it just makes me sad that that's, his character is there to a be. A boyfriend, a love interest. And I, I've seen a few people online as well say it's refreshing to see it, that it's not the girl this time. And I, and I just think to myself, why should this be a case either way? That why can, why does it have to be a boyfriend or a girlfriend that is constantly propping up the other boyfriend or the girlfriend all the time? Why, why is, you can have that and you can have Mike be the supporting boyfriend who does you know kind of have this realization that you know he's afraid of losing her and that's why he couldn't say i love you because you know all that kind of thing um but you know you can have all of that but at the same time you can still have mike have those leadership qualities and you do you do see it a little bit but they're all because of l yeah i think that's the problem it's not him whereas i think in seasons one and two Stuff was obviously because of Will and trying to find Will and stuff, but it wasn't as that was his like only thing. But then, see, I have been rethinking this though, only because um, I watched it with my mum as well, and she said the same thing after we finished episode nine. That we said that she's like, well, maybe next season if Will was the ones in trouble again, he'll kind of switch. When went, yeah, but this is the problem. This is what Mike always does. If it's his girlfriend or if he's his best friend, he kind of... I don't really know who Mike is. And he's not who I saw in season one. And I know he's growing up and I know he's being a teenager. But I I feel like I've just kind of lost who his character is. Yeah. Saying that, though, I will defend him and I'll say he is perfectly in the right. And this is a controversial opinion of Quentin as well. To be, to be a bit annoyed about what he witnessed. Because I feel oh, yeah. in with the... Yeah. Because I feel like a lot of people, like, Mike wouldn't say that. But if you put yourself in that situation, then no matter who it is, if you've seen someone, just grab a roller skate, knock someone out. Yeah. Or, you know, go knock someone out. You are going to be like, oh, my God. And I think when he says about, you know, I, I wasn't pulling a face because of what you happened. I wasn't scared of you. It was, you know, it was overwhelming of what I actually saw. I don't think there's anything wrong with what he said there because I feel like you would be yeah anyone would be if I was in a roller rink with you and you picked up a roller skate and went and hit someone with it I would be like what what have you done like what are you doing you know that Will Byers is my favourite but I don't think he had enough of a reaction there to be honest no like, like obviously he looks shocked but I mean I, well, I, don't, I don't know saying that he he's obviously uncomfortable and he but he, he pulls a face to what Mike says so I, maybe I'm, I'm judging a little bit with that but I, I don't think my point is I don't think Mike is completely in the wrong no. for reacting how we had so I will defend him on that that is more a Mike <laughs> <laughs> I agree with you with that completely I think that when was it Sean Levy that said you have you, the, the point is that you are yeah it was either Sean Levy or the Duffers you're like a bit 
conflicted about how to feel about it. And I think that's exactly it. Like, Angela is an awful person. And I think watching it, everyone sort of wanted to just be like, oh my God. Like, do you know what I mean? Everyone had that feeling of anger towards Angela because she's awful and terrible. And I I was bullied in school. I know how horrible it is. Like, it's awful. But then I also think that you can also look at it and be like, Elle could have killed her. Like, she, she could have killed her. If she'd hit her in yeah. just the wrong way, that roller skate would have killed her. And I yeah. think Mike is well within his rights to have been, oh my God, about it. And I also think Angela is well within her right to have pressed charges. <laughs> I mean, yeah. <laughs> like, bit of a weird arc, the more I think of it. Yeah. I don't know why it happened, but it's... I don't know. I feel like... I don't know. You could have used another method of getting Owens to take her to Nina. A little bit. A little bit. But no, obviously I'm not defending anything that Angela did. She's an awful person. And that first hit, it was like, yes. Like, you know, you did have that moment of like, get in, like, go on Elle. And then you're like, oh my God, okay, she could have died. Um, So I think it's... It, it is an interesting... It does make you feel really conflicted, I think. But... Yeah, I also understand why charges were pressed, I think, um, and why Mike acted, you know. And even the next morning, like, he goes to apologise. You know, he goes up there, he takes the egos up there, he, you yeah, know. that's the scene I'm talking about, the way he reacts in there. When oh, that scene. Kind of, oh, yeah, 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 yeah. 100%, yeah. yeah. And I think, like, he does just want to talk to her. Do you know what I mean? When he says, like, I'm a bit confused as to why you didn't tell me, let's talk about it and I think that's Mike like you get to see bits of Mike there but no I I agree I would like to see more of him just be him because outside of Will outside outside of Will and outside of L because he has become the love interest for both of them yeah (laughs) accidentally (laughs) that is what's happened now um Noah Schnapp obviously has confirmed Will is in love with Mike are we all surprised no i mean i just thought they were best friends Friends. but no seriously like he has just become their love interest and i think i i want to see more of mike not being either one of their love interests i would like to just see more of mike as mike it's one of those things in season five i don't feel like anyone is any in any doubt that will was gonna have to tell mike yeah in some way it's gonna come out very open so, you know, it's going to it's gonna be said in some way. So we know that that arc's going to be there a little bit. So he's still going to kind of be within that. But I think before that happens, let's... And obviously everything with Elle as well. Yeah. Let's just hope we get a bit more a bit more Mike. Because it's annoying. It's so annoying. Because the base is there. Mm-hmm. It is there. And we see a little bit start to come out. But then, I don't know, when you've got heart-to-hearts that are purely about what do I do about L and stuff like that? And it, it's kind of meant to be about himself, but it's, it's not really. Also, this is like episode five, six stuff. So we're really, really skipping. So I think let, let's get back to actually, let's talk about that scene with the Mike can't say I love you moment. Yes. Because the way that Millie did that, I thought Very it good. was just so good. Yeah, I loved the that. The way it was... And then you notice like the little details, like all oh, the cards as well. Like, I like you. And you think it's from 
a viewer's point of view, just notice noticing those little details and how it's kind of implanted. You think, you know what, they, did, they didn't have to do that, but I appreciate it. And I think, I think it was important for Elle to have that moment as well. I mean, obviously it then sets up everything for later on in the season. But it's, yeah, I, I think just kind of seeing her have that moment and actually say it for herself mm-hmm. rather than it was nice to kind of see how her character from season three actually had shifted across because obviously in season three we got a bit more of her being her and you know that she doesn't need to have the influence of Hopper or Mike or whoever but it has to kind of be her and what she likes so I think her having that moment in episode three and kind of being like you don't do this you don't do that that is so purely her yeah and i stand by my point that mike doesn't technically have to say it no he doesn't Um, but for the plot we have to um but i think at the same time she's completely well in within her right to be like what is going on yeah i think like it's a really i really liked Elle's growth because i think like she has really gotten to the point and I think this episode, like you were just saying, it really shows when she's saying, like, it, you can't even say it. Like, and, and she's not saying it in the sense of, like, I don't even think she's saying it in a, I want you to say it right now. I think she's saying, like, what, why can't you say it? Like, what, what's mm. wrong? What's going on with us that means that you can't say it kind of thing? And I think you can really see that she's, she is learning to sort of, like, speak about how, how she feels and what she wants from situations and obviously not to jump ahead again but by the end of the season she's got like her autonomy back and stuff and she's sort of you know she does have that moment where she knows she doesn't need them but she wants them and that's what's really important and I think episode three she really does when she talks to Mike it is that moment of like I what is going on I want to talk about our relationship because this isn't mm. you know and you can tell she understands stuff because the note she gives him says from L because she was intentionally yeah. being like gone then screw you do you know what I mean like from yeah, yeah. which I think so you can tell that she, yeah she's sort of learning and becoming like more aware of stuff and and I think this episode was a good one when it comes to like her growth and what motivates her and how she feels about situations, whereas in the other seasons it's been how other people think Elle should be. No, exactly. So I think, yeah. And to pretty briefly jump ahead, what you said there, like by the end of the season, you kind of get that payoff with her. I thought actually the way that both of them were by the end of the season kind of really showed that as well, despite, you know, throwing Mike aside for a moment. But I think just the way that, as you said, that Elle is with herself and actually that reunion moment as well and I mean obviously she's then interacting with her family I would be actually very interested to know if that hug with Will was scripted or if it was something that Millie yeah. and Noah decided to do on the day that is something I would like to know if they did, very much because I, and I hate there is a part of me that's like I bet it wasn't in the script mm. because it seems like a lot of the good stuff this season was wasn't actually improvised <laughs> Um, but anyway that aside I think yeah just kind of seeing her have that thing of right no actually I know who I am now and yeah I I really I'm not mad at Elle's arc at all this season I think every every way it was done was good there are some complaints about stuff in the lab and I'd like to be honest I don't really get that because you needed it there 
Um, but more of that when we get into it. We also had a bit more of Russia in episode three. And I actually cried th- this episode for a really simple thing. It, it was him offering his bread and trying to speak in Russian and offering the soup and the bread for the guy to break his ankle. And it was more like the way that David portrayed that scene and the way that he showed Hopper's desperation was brilliant because it was such a small scene in regards to the whole episode. Like, it was a tiny bit of it. But he seemed so, like, this is his only chance. And... I just think he did that really well. So when he was trying to explain and offer the bread and offer the soup, like it made me a bit teary because I was thinking like this, this is a a thing, you know, like this is like, look at what is actually happening. Like, I think so much of that is based on like real war camps and stuff, which is terrifying. And I think it was, yeah, that, that sort of desperation and that like those feelings were really brought across then. All I will say in regards to this um, is how on earth do these ankles seemingly heal that quickly? Yeah, because that initial look, I had to look away from my screen. Like, I could not. To me, it's the noises. Oh, yeah. And how, yeah. That was like, so I have broken both, I broke one ankle and one foot. And the ankle I broke, I'm sure it remembers because anytime anything like that happens, it like twinges <laughs> and it's probably psychological, but I could not watch that scene. When he like unwrapped it, I was like, mm. I feel ill. Mm. Like that was grim. <laughs> yeah, it was just trying to get it out of the metal for me. I was like, no, no, thank you. No, no, no. But no, obviously, yeah, we got to see a bit more of that. We saw Joyce and Murray on the plane, which was a, f- that was a funny scene. When like, when he's, she's like, should I have told them? And then he lists all the things that they could be getting up to. And Joyce just looks horrified. But then it's also quite brilliant because everything they do get up to is 10 times worse than everything Murray actually suggested. So, And also Joyce on the plane was an absolute mood. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, so That's me on planes. <laughs> like when she put the seatbelt off, she was like, oh, like this is going to save me. <laughs> and I was like, yeah, mood. And also the the food, the whatever that was, when she opens the box. I wouldn't know because I only get a fruit bowl on planes. <laughs> no, I thought that was quite funny. I quite liked that. That was like another little scene that was quite good that I thought was like well done. And then we had all the Hawkins stuff and we had the first in thing of pushing Stephen Nancy. But we also had Ronance. As we we're dubbing it. Did. I feel like Robin and Nancy are the pairing um, that I didn't know I wanted, but I'm so glad that I have it. Because also, I mean, you kind of could sense that that's where they were going to push the friendship a little bit at the end of season three. When uh, Robin says that line about, ugh, Nancy. Yeah. Or, you know what I mean? So I, I'm really glad they kind of went down that track with it. I really liked, actually, a moment from this when they're looking through the archives and Robin makes a comment about why are we looking in this kind of thing if we're looking for something a bit more supernatural? I was going to say exactly that. I loved that bit. Yeah, I I think that was a bit I've actually taken away from that episode. (laughs) Um, And just 
I thought just kind of seeing how their two minds work and how they're really complementing each other and just that whole... I really liked the Victor Creel stuff, basically. That's how I'm going to say it. I, I liked how the whole Creel family stuff went down. Yeah. Um, so I think just like these little tasters of it, and as I said earlier, like then to get the payoff in episode four, yeah. when you kind of finally see it, I think those seeds were planted so well. And yeah, definitely. And it's interesting kind of how in that moment that it kind of switched a little bit with Nancy and Robin. That it's like, oh, okay, right? You're not just messing around. Mm-hmm. This is we can kind of get this to work so yeah i liked how it wasn't like a dragged out animosity as well like mm-hmm. obviously at first nancy was a bit like okay i'll do, i can do this by myself like i'm sure steve will pick do you know what i mean there was that little bit of like tension but it wasn't dragged out like it didn't take long for them to like like clear the air and get on the same page and Robin to say things to Nancy was like, you're a genius. Do you know what I mean? Like, it, it, yeah. I liked how Nancy refused, like, both of them didn't let their, ex- like, expectations and stereotypes of the other stay there once they got to know the other person. It wasn't like mm. a... You know, like Nan- Nancy had preconceptions about Robin because she definitely thought she was dating Steve. And mm. Robin, obviously, at the end of season three, makes a comment about Nancy. So, like, I think they could have dragged that out. They could have made it, like, a thing. They also could have made it that all they spoke about was Steve, but actually they spoke about other things as well as Steve. And I mm. I think the way that it was done was, was really good. You know, I was worried that Nancy was going to be making, like, little comments the whole way through and it was going to be really annoying because them as their friendship was something I wanted to see so I quite liked that actually she was like Robin's a genius this is really good like and she kind of accepted that I feel like that says a lot to Nancy's character arc because I don't know if she would have had that same attitude three four years ago I mean I complimented her when we did like the volume two stuff yeah but Nancy Wheeler as a character (laughs) is and I, I love nancy wheeler she's just such a good character do i wish she remembered that she had a brother absolutely that would be good um but i just think the way she's been done over the years and also like in season one she's not meant to be like this really popular girl she was never no. that person she was always straight A's doing this doing that doing that and you know i think kind of seeing actually how that arcs evolved and then Agreed. in a way though how steve didn't necessarily bring her down from season one to now when actually it's kind of like our lives just intertwines in such a way mm-hmm. that we're still getting all to work and i just i will continuously praise nancy wheeler's arc she's the final girl i'm telling you <laughs> there's no way the nancy's gonna be dying if they i mean if they did it would be an absolute shock death but i to be honest i can't see why they would do that in season five. She feels very safe. Do you know, I honestly think if one of the Wheelers dies, it's going to be Holly. It'd be Holly or Karen or both. But yeah, no, I loved those bits. I really loved those bits. And when they found the the actual like newspaper articles and they were going through it and stuff, it, it was it was one of those like classic Stranger Things moments when they like figure it out. And I mm. I just, I loved how that was done. And I loved seeing their dynamic with finding it. I thought that was really good. And also like, Robin's little comments about like 
aliens are definitely real, Bigfoot I'm still on the fence about, like things like that, like it was, yeah, it, I just think it was done, it was just done really well and I love their friendship and think it was, yeah, really good and you've heard it here first on the podcast that during my most recent rewatch, there was a little part of me that was like, I understand why people ship it and that's all I'll say on that matter. But yeah, no, it was. It was one of the highlights of this episode, I think. We also, in this episode, saw Lucas kind of go from wanting to be with the popular kids to then being like, actually, no, I need to get right down to it. I think, you know, I'm really glad we kind of saw that. I mean, you could kind of guess it was coming. Yeah. But, I don't know, it was nice to... I think all in all, actually, with season four, it was nice to see Lucas have more of an arc. Yeah going on because here is the thing but lucas is very there as well to be love interest to max but he has a character as well he does and that's all i'm gonna say on that i'm done with the conversation now <laughs> but do you he know exists I mean? on his own but it's the yes. same as like l exists on her own yeah even will exists on his own mike's the only one that does it susie and dustin jonathan and nancy like they all exist as their own people the only one that doesn't anymore is mike and there you go that's that's it we're never mentioning mike wheeler and the whole situation again but no with lucas i think i don't know it's really nice to kind of just see that happening Mm -hmm. and i think it was two seasons too late you saw it in season one and then you didn't really see it again much in season two and three so yeah it was really nice to kind of just see caleb actually have stuff to work with yeah um because i think it's it's been too long for him I agree. The bit where he like jumps into Lucas uh, when he jumps into Dustin's room and just does like yeah. the roly poly and then grabs the thing like that was done so well and then like everything that he like put into place and you know I think you could really see that moment where he was just thinking like no these are my friends like these are my people these are the people that I want to help and be with and stuff. I thought that was that was good. We also saw Max go to Miss Kelly's house now. I would like to know your opinion on this because I think we've spoken about it once but we haven't spoken about it on the podcast, I don't think. We might have done. Do you think Miss Kelly is anything other than just the school counsellor? Oh, absolutely not. She's just a school <laughs> counsellor. Because, I like, I thought she just was that. Like, that's all I yeah. took from it. But literally, like, everyone online is talking about her necklace being, like, the key to the clock. I think it's just a clever coincidence. Yeah, me too. The same too. way where the name Peter just came up everywhere. Yeah, that happens at the start of this episode. Owen's wife yeah. is like, there's Peter's oh, old yeah, stuff. That and it, that was like, what? Yeah. I have a point about that that we, we can go back to. For me, she was obviously the counsellor. I think, and once again, she was used as a prop essentially as well to just kind of, kind of set everything in motion. Because I think in this episode as well, Patrick gets the nosebleed for the first time. Yeah, he does. Yeah, he does. Yeah. Which I felt really sorry for, actually. I had no connection to Patrick, really. But I thought, actually, oh, I didn't want it to happen to him. I I don't know why. Why wasn't Um, Jason? The thing is with Jason, right, I feel like we're skipping ahead a lot. Um, The thing is with Jason, and I think I agreed with what, I think Caleb did an interview about it as well. Yes, he did. Jason wasn't really a bad guy as such. The he was very caught up in what was going on and you know naturally as well in that last episode if you walk into a room and there's max kind of like eyes doing whatever and uh, lucas watching over her you are gonna think what on earth am i witnessing um 
And I think obviously Jason got very caught up in what was going on and was so set in his beliefs that, you know, there's satanic cults yes. around. But when you compare him to someone, and this is what Caleb did in an interview, compare him to someone like Billy, who was obviously set up to be bad, I don't know why some people are thinking that Jason is worse than Billy. <laughs> Because, I don't know. No, I know what you mean. And I think that this, I think Jason's character did what Stranger Things is very good at and that we've touched on before is that he was acting in his grief. He was acting on his grief. And also, to be honest, Jason is probably acting as someone that has witnessed all these weird things going on in town as trying to stumble into it naturally would maybe maybe you wouldn't get a gun out and start no you wouldn't go that far but if you think about everything that he's probably witnessed he's seen someone lifting up the air in front of him yeah and had their bones all done whatever his girlfriend has obviously also been brutally murdered and then you know there's all this string of events that's going on the one thing that's kind of connecting them is that eddie has been in the boat yeah with him while this happened eddie was also with that you are gonna I mean, if this has been happening for a good few years, because obviously they've been told things in the town that, oh, no, this just, just happened. Oh, or it was this, or it was that, it was that, it was that. I think you would start to question. So I think he's trying to be that kind of mediator. Maybe he shouldn't have got as much screen time as he did. But the thing, he's not, he's not a bad person. He's just been misguided, I think. He was definitely acting on grief which obviously can make you grief is such a tricky complicated thing and can cause you to act in so many different ways like immediately after something happens and then even years later you know like and this is something that's immediately happened and then he also is in denial so like he constantly mentions Chrissy would not be buying drugs constantly Chrissy was buying drugs that's what she was there doing. She was there buying drugs. That's what she was doing. That It's not like that was a false rumour or a false thing. Chrissy was in Eddie's trailer to buy drugs. <laughs> so he's in complete denial. He's like, well, she wouldn't do that. So to him, he's trying to find something to blame because Chrissy wouldn't buy drugs. So what's the only other thing that was there? Eddie. Eddie must have done it, you know? So I think he... He's he yeah he's he's acting on on all of that and I think that it was an interesting way of seeing how someone who isn't aware of the upside down um everything that's going on would react to it like Eddie obviously witnesses Chris's death but he acts very calm very quickly Jason is a really tricky character and and it, it, he's he's an interesting one I, d- I don't think he needed as much screen time as he got but oh absolutely not like I I didn't need. I don't know. I was going to call them like the mystery machine kind of people. <laughs> but like, you know what I mean? I, I, I didn't need to know. I, I didn't need the whole arcs of them going around to doing this and doing that and having the Troy Bolton-esque meetings. No. Um, but uh, I don't know. That, that's my point that's been made. <laughs> in regards to Peter, the mention of Peter in... Uh, the start of the episode actually we said it started with the roller rink it doesn't it starts with the helicopter landing outside owen's house we covered ourselves we said we're starting 
with the robbery. We did. We did. So this I found quite interesting in my most recent rewatch. And I think obviously I, you notice it again later on when Owen says, when I saw them, I knew who it was. Is that they take the pictures of Chrissy to Owen's and show him. And Owen's knew. Which means that he would have been working with Brenner or in the same department when everything was happening originally. Which I find really interesting because obviously he took over from Brenner in season two. And obviously says the people that did this, they're gone and we're going to make it, you know, better and stuff. So it interests me because I like Owens. I want to know what happened to him because he was just chained to the thing and everything. We didn't see him die. We didn't see him die. But I find it, I that whole thing, he must have been working with with him from from you know or at least in a similar department or aware of what was going on if he can see someone dead and know it was henry Hmm. like i because the timelines don't quite line up as you'd think especially if we know that obviously number one slash henry slash vegna had been there for or since the very beginning um so suspicious minds no longer (laughs) counts with brenner coming in um you could kind of make just, it work, yeah. It, you can make it work, but it, it still doesn't quite fit. I feel like maybe they forgot, the, <laughs> but you know that they tend to forget. Um, in in regards to the military arc, the more I think on it, the more I'm like, I don't, I don't get it. No, I hate it. <laughs> the, I hate it. I I understand you've got the U.S. government, and then also then have a faction of the US government that is doing illegal experiments and all that kind of thing. Mm-hmm. But I'm just like, I don't... I, I, I don't know what the point... But isn't it funny? I mean, I, maybe it's going to be set up for something in season five. Yeah. Maybe that's what it is. But I, I just feel like every time... It's annoying because I actually, I think the Brenner and Owens arc, I was like, yeah, okay, I'm kind of in with it. It was this. interesting. The lab stuff. But I, I just didn't need to see... Was it Lieutenant Sullivan? Was it his name? Just being yeah. tortured. No, not even. No, I, d- I just didn't need him going to oh, houses and going guy. like, "This is this is the stuff. This is that. Yeah, what's going on here?" I, because it didn't seem to really actually get any real payoff because they then, it, you know, went into where the Nina project or that kind of stuff is going on, and then we actually just never saw them again. Yeah. So like, I don't, I don't know. I I didn't enjoy that really. I I get I get it from a storytelling point of view that naturally you're going to have some government people kind of be like. Actually, no. Is it FBI? Is it government? Yeah, no, I can't remember what faction yeah. it was now. Um, but you mean I? I understand that you, if all these weird things are happening in the town, and we, we know that they've been listening anyway because of yeah. stuff with the lab, you are going to kind of trigger something and start, you know, really peering into it. But I just, I, I don't. I don't really, who was, I don't know who was good, who was bad. Are we both, are we meant to think that they're bad? That's probably the point of the art. I guess my point is I don't think, I think it could have been executed a little bit better. Yeah, I think um, I find it quite interesting. And actually my cousin said this when I was watching it with her, is as much as Brenner is awful, when you've got the military, the government that are doing illegal experiments on children, and then you've got the government that are trying to stop the illegal experiments on children, it's funny that in a really weird way, you're rooting for the side that are doing illegal experiments on children. I'm rooting for Brenner. I'm like, I shouldn't be rooting for Brenner. 
because Brent has been doing all these things. Yeah, right? but I don't want I don't want the government going and finding finding out what yeah. Brent is doing. Yeah, I don't want the government to come and stop what Brent is doing. But what Brent is doing is arguably terrible. Not even arguably is terrible. Like the what he's putting L through is like torturous. So, see, this is what I mean. I don't know what they wanted you to take from it. It's tricky. Because, uh, are we meant to be rooting? Because surely we're not meant to be rooting for for Branner because he's Branner and he's awful. Yeah. But you're, I suppose you're... they're kind of twisting the theory that we're kind of meant to root for Owens. Owens, yeah. That, that's probably what it's meant to be more than anything. But I, I, I don't know. I feel like I would have liked that whole section throughout the whole of that season, to be honest. Because I, I understand why they went to his house and was digging through stuff. Like, yeah. I get it. Because they naturally... can't go find Brenner, so yeah. Yeah, so find the nearest possible thing. But. Which means. Uh, they worked together. If Owens is the nearest possible one to those experiments, I'm telling you, they worked together before, but we just didn't know about it. Honestly. No, but he kind of says it, though, doesn't he, in episode five? He does, yeah. But, like... Yeah, so we know he did. Yeah, but it's funny how that's never, never mentioned before. And also See, that I... L wouldn't remember if he was involved anyway. It's, it's just, Maybe he it's... came in late. This is what I mean. I feel like they've forgotten elements of season two. But no, I, I find it, I found it interesting that they that he knew. Like, he must have been around at the time when Henry could do stuff. Like, even if it was before, like, before the Sataria went in. Do you know what I mean? And he could Unless see... it was a thing where he was there from the start. So Henry was brought in. Mm-hmm. And then Brenner was kind of like, okay, you're gone. And made it his pet project so to speak i can see it maybe from that point of view so then owens would have some kind of idea if he was involved in mk ultra stuff in a sense maybe more on the adult side yeah probably um, you know and then was kind of just the children's side of things was kept absolutely classified because he doesn't because owens doesn't seem to know who l is in season two because when hopper introduces he's like this is l he seems generally quite surprised yeah and also doesn't seem to really understand what's necessarily going on too much with the gate or the demagogue and all of that. He's just very focused on what's going on with Will. With Will. And I feel like even though what happened with Will was obviously very, very odd and they wouldn't really see anything like it, if he really kind of... No, okay, right, I want to cover something else. If he really knew kind of what was going on with Henry, why did he not clock that that's what was going on with Will? Yes. Because that doesn't make that doesn't make sense. He would because I know that obviously Will wasn't in the same as Billy, where Billy was standing in certain ways. But the way he was talking, yeah, and the way he was like, he made me do that, or he was doing this, he was doing that. And then even when Will closes, I mean, he might not have seen it. But even when Will <gasps> closes his eyes and the eyes are shuttering and moving, that's what that's what the kids were doing. The way that Will says about you're the doctor is exactly how Henry speaks. Yeah, see, but this is sort of, you would pick up on that then. <laughs> and no one did. And I, Matt I, and Ross Duffer, can you please answer the question, how involved was Owens from the start, please? Matt and Ross Duffer, can you also answer the question, why have you forgotten season two? <laughs> <laughs> why did you just ignore the best season? Because the thing is, that even... Okay, right, but even when they're showing clips in season four, right... They only show like one, a couple of clips from season two, and those clips are when Will was being taken over by the mind player. There is nothing else. Everything else is like season three content. There's the one with Max. Oh, and, and the snowball. Basically, we've remembered the snowball, and we've remembered the mind player going into Will. Yeah. Everything else in season two, though, we've forgotten. Yeah. 
It's, they just deleted that one from their hard drives. But no, there's definitely a few things in there that made me question. We also have, to wrap it up, we have obviously the ending where they get to the school. Um, and I really liked how she was going through the files and noticing all the things. Like, I felt like that was done really, really well. I really like that transition, actually, when it goes into the clock. Because it's sort of like you just... You you kind of see it coming by the way she's talking. Yeah. And then when you suddenly get that switch and you hear that Max kind of thing. And then just the chimes and just... I, I think that was a really good setup to episode three. Because also you kind of saw it coming. You did. You, you got signs of, yes. okay, something's definitely going to happen with Max here. But at the same time, it wasn't so obvious that... You were like, okay, yeah, of course, right here we yeah, go. Yeah, and the way that the the way that they did it was was done really well because it wasn't like a a really quick thing. It wasn't like she woke up and saw the the clock. You know, it was it was interesting that she was sort of figuring it out. There's just like just a tiny tiny bit behind us, if that made sense. Just like you, as the watcher, you were sort of figuring it out just a little bit before she was figuring it out and it's the bit where she's like can I see Fred's file and she's like comparing them and then you've got the flashbacks that she had and like that was that was done really well um and then I have a question about this um and it's gonna sound really really silly go on so in an interview the doctor's also like you don't want to see the clock yeah so if Max just never left the room <laughs> would she have never would seen it all have happened clock? and she wouldn't have seen the clock or is it meant to be like a metaphorical you don't want it to get to that point. Or do you think like Vecna would just like walk to the room and like grab the clock in the hand, like, look at this. Look at it. Look at it. It's Maxine, I, get on it. I don't know because I think it I feel like that scene when she was figuring stuff out is really similar to the bit in the ring. Have you seen the ring? Um, reluctantly. <laughs> the the bit where she goes in, where Rachel goes into the like archives and she puts the tape and she's stopping it. She's like mm. getting every frame of the tape, that, yeah. and then the fly comes off of the screen. Her looking through the files made me think of that, where she's like comparing the shots from the, the videotape in the ring. It made me yeah. think of that. And then um, at this point, like Rachel, I think has already watched the, the tape, but I found I found it quite good because you could see that it was a big influence in that sense. Yeah, but it was done in a really clever way, so it wasn't like a very like, if you haven't seen The Ring, it was obviously impact. Like, you know, you wouldn't pick up on it if you didn't know, but it's such a good way of doing it. It was such a sort of good little reveal. And then obviously she goes out into the thing and sees the clock. But she doesn't actually leave the room, though, does she? No, she does. She walks out the room. I mean, in her mind, in her she, mind leaves the room, she does. But her, she doesn't. Yeah. Because I mean, so if in her mind, she's just like, I'm just going to, might just stay in this chair for a little while. <laughs> Yeah. Would Henry have just got a bit annoyed to be waiting in the corner, like, oh my god, this is why can she just I'm on a deadline here. (laughs) But no, I think that it was done really well and I really liked the way that they they brought that clock out and and um you know, the the way that that reveal was done, I think it was it was really good. I obviously I didn't love what happened to Max, but I did love the way that they sort of executed it. I felt like it was a really good way of doing it and it was cool because Obviously, I'd seen it, so I knew, and I'd sort of obviously I'd seen the trailers, so I'd seen that she obviously floats in the graveyard and stuff. But my cousin hadn't seen that, so when that started to happen with Max, she was really like, "Oh my god, what on earth?" You know. And I think 
it was good to see a reaction from from that and it was like the the desired reaction so i think it was a really good episode three ending when it comes to stranger things episode three's endings yeah no no i agree yeah i think it is all all fit into place a little bit i think that's everything about season yeah we didn't talk about dustin and steve but to be honest i can't really remember what went on with dustin and steve apart from dustin makes a comment about oh so nancy huh that's all i really remember with them (laughs) and then there's the um if you i'll not i'll punch you so hard your teeth will fall back out and he's like too far that was good that was a funny bit too far yeah and then the fist bump that was it was basically just dustin being like why don't you date robin why aren't you dating robin it's because you still like nancy why did you throw yourself at nancy and then there's the bit where he says about wiping his feet and dustin wipes them in the car just to wind steve up yeah see i don't know <laughs> we see more of them in later episodes anyway. we do we so, do and yeah. they get a lot of speaking and a lot of screen time so i'm sure we'll talk about them I feel like we've moaned a lot about this episode. I liked this episode, genuinely. It, yeah, it's. I liked it. It's not my favourite, um, as I have very made, very much made clear, apparently. But yeah, I think mean, there's moments of it that are good. Yeah. I, I just feel like, I don't know, maybe it comes into like a minor complaint about season four in general, like the things I'm complaining about in this episode. And yeah, I, I think that's my problem i think watching it in context with the rest of the season it feels weaker to me and i don't know even though it's very clearly the setup for certain elements i think i don't know i think as a whole i would like to more pay off in the end but then saying that if i'd have watched it you know episode one and then waited in episode two and then episode three and waited i might have had a different reaction it was an episode that had to exist because it had to build up on things but there are things in it that are definitely like a little bit weaker i just want to know i just want to know about owens that is my question for the duffer brothers if they secretly listen to this podcast hello matt ross or even sean levy or if anyone anyone involved with stranger things if you listen to this podcast can you please answer the question about Owens and Brenner and how long they've worked with each other because Owens very confidently calls him Martin so there's got to be some some foundation there you know I I just want if you are listening I just want to know um did you have a contingency plan if Max in her mind didn't go outside yeah that'd be good yeah that's that's the question Jamie Campbell Bauer answer me that question considering you have a folder um of everything Beckner and Henry um, have you got in your folder about if the clock plan failed? He was too busy just sitting on set staring at spiders, so. I mean, but still. Just want to know that. No, that, so those are our thoughts on episode three of Stranger Things season four. We'd love to know your thoughts of this episode, the things you liked, the things you absolutely hated. Did you too also hate the scene when like, should we be in the trailer park? Let us know. <laughs> I, I actually am genuinely, not that I'm never genuinely interested in people's thoughts, I'm always interested, but I am interested with this one because I think it is a divided one because it is such a like building episode. So I think opinions will be very interesting. So let us know. Where can they let us know, Emily? You can let us know on social media, Instagram, Facebook and Twitter, a Hawkins podcast or YouTube and Tumblr, a Hawkins new copy. Or you can listen to us wherever you can find a podcast. It's up to you. That was the smallest one you've ever done. I know, I really condensed it. I feel like, you know, we're getting snappy with this today. 
Yeah, exactly. Thank you guys for listening to this episode of the Hawkins D Copy Podcast. We will see you next time. Over and out.